Welcome to Family Life Today, brought to you with the compliments of this station and power to change. We're always encouraged to receive your feedback and comments on the program, but I'll tell you how you can do that at the conclusion. But now, here are your Family Life Today presenters, Dave and Ann Wilson with Bob Lapine. I think sometimes as parents, we feel this pressure to block out all the bad stuff. I mean, parents will sometimes walk up after my parent workshop, they'll walk up to me, they'll hand me a device, and they'll be like, show me how to stop all the bad stuff from being on this. This is my daughter's phone. But honestly, it's like we get sometimes so thinking we need to block stuff. And I'll kind of confess, I think that's where I messed up as a parent. I think sometimes I was so worried about blocking out the lies where I should have been more concerned about telling the truth. Like, you know, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Such a contrast to Mm. anything else they're seeing at the time, which is, look at me, more likes, more followers. Mm. It's like, no, no, no. This kingdom living, that's different. You mean I don't have to worry about how popular I am? I don't have to worry about how much money I make? Funny, because every song I'm listening to talks about how much money I make and how popular I am. And they're making those connections in their head. Welcome to Family Life Today where we want to help you pursue the relationships that matter most. I'm Ann Wilson. And I'm Dave Wilson. And you can find us at FamilyLifeToday.com or on our Family Life app. This is Family Life Today. So we're sitting by the lake, family vacation. We've got our three sons and their wives. We've got six grandkids. It's chaos. Just in these little, awesome. yeah, little cottages fun. that yeah. friends of us let us borrow. It's wonderful to have friends that have cottages on the lake. You know? <laughs> and so we're hanging out, and I pull out my phone. Well, to be honest, I had my phone in my hand the whole time. It could be a problem. Yeah. Well, go ahead. You want to you no, comment? Okay. Maybe Keep you should going. finish the story. Yeah. Keep going. I've heard this many times. It's, it's oh, a problem. Yeah. But anyway, I was actually... Looking at something for my two-year-old grandson, Bryce, to look at, and it was a video, and, you know, I'm pulling it out, I'm trying to sort of slide it over, and he reaches over and closes the window, hits the little X on my phone, and I thought, he's barely two years old, he knows how to control a screen. I mean, I was shocked by that. Does that sound surprising to you? I think every time our son calls us or FaceTimes with us... Our grandson doesn't want him to be on the phone, and so he'll hit the off button so that he can't talk to us anymore. And he knows where that is. Like, get off the phone, Oh, Dad. I know. Sitting there in that moment, I thought a two-year-old is adept at this thing almost to the level that I am. And I thought in two or three, four, five years. You might be asking him questions. I mean, I, mean, I just thought this is the world we live in. It's just sort of, it's wonderful in some sense because God has given us an amazing piece of technology, but it's also very scary. Yeah. And so as parents and now even as grandparents, like how do we navigate this digital world we live in? And so we've got in the studio again with us today, Jonathan McKee, who 
you really committed and devoted your life formerly as a youth pastor because you saw this all the time. But now, I mean, I can't believe I'm looking across the studio and saying, I'm looking at guys written over 25 books about this world. Jonathan, you're not even that old. <laughs> I know. And I'm only 21 years old. Yeah, so that's amazing. I, I, I started writing when I was in the womb. <laughs> and uh, it is interesting because, I mean, I'm just, I am drawn to the topic because even as you talk about that, I think it, you know, it's one of the things we as parents think is, oh, my kids know this technology better than me. So I think that's why a lot of parents just hand their yeah. kids yeah. these screens because they think, you know better than me. What can I possibly teach you? And really, it's not the knowledge of the technology that's important. It's the wisdom behind it, the decision-making on who they should connect with and how much time they should spend on this device and what effect it's having on them when they've got a device in their pocket that tells them exactly how popular or unpopular they are. And they're trying to measure up to what these little numbers on this device say. That's the conversations that most of us aren't having with our kids that we need to have with our kids, not about which button to push. Yeah, yeah. I wish we had a place we could go so that we could become screen wise. Oh, you oh, know, wow. <laughs> you know, your, your website's called becomingscreenwise.com, which is literally what we're hoping because our kids are pretty screen wise. Again, from two, five on up, we are often way behind the curve. And so we're going to talk about a couple of books you've written. Uh, Your latest one, Parenting Generation Screen, which, again, that's the generation, right? We're living in a world where their generation screen, guiding your kids to be wise in a digital world. That's really written to parents, right? And then uh, Teen's Guide to -to Face-to-Face Connections in a Screen-to-Screen World. So you've got a book for teenagers to understand how do we have what we're longing for face-to-face when all we do is look at screens. So let's talk. I mean, the world we live in is a different world than we grew up, but we are now parents and grandparents in this world, and our kids get it so well. And as you've already said, this screen world, which is awesome, can also affect self-esteem, social media, the world we're living in. Talk about that with our kids. Well, I tell you, that's one of the reasons that I co-wrote this Teen's Guide to -to Face-to-Face Connections in a Screen-to-Screen World. The reason I wrote that book with my daughter, Alyssa, was because she had a lot to say on that. And she had kind of, you know, grown up, and I told you in past shows where she happened to be born in 95, which put her right in high school when the shift to social media in your pocket was happening. And because of that, she started to see that change in her friends, and she started to see that pressure to measure up becoming a bigger thing because, you know, this is something that happened. And then she went on to work at her college in admissions and she started, her job was then to connect with high school people that wanted to go to college. So she's constantly with these kids now as this young 20 something, seeing this, seeing it with her group of 20 something friends, seeing it with teenagers. And she had a lot to say about it. One of the things that probably came up more that, cause we brainstormed cause we talked about what are we going to talk about in this book? One of the things that came up more and more and more was how social media made us feel about ourselves. And I'll give an example. She tells a story in the book, this experience she had where she went to this event with some friends. So here she is a young 20 something and they go to this fun beach event and she had been looking forward to this day with her friends. It's a beautiful day. They're going down to San Diego and they're going to be at this beach volleyball event. They're going to be playing and hanging out and doing all this fun stuff together. And she said the day was, and I quote her, hijacked by Instagram. She said, instead of hanging out with each other and just talking and everything, she says, my friends were just buried in their phones the entire day. And she said, instead of just enjoying the event, the day was more about getting the perfect 
picture of the event hmm. and then posting that picture right then. And, oh, wait, no, this one isn't. You know, And she just said the day literally was a catastrophe. And as she describes how the day went out, hmm. it ended with her going home, looking at her phone and throwing it across the room and just bursting into tears. And it was that that literally catalyzed her decision to actually take an Instagram fast. And, and she says straight up, Instagram's not bad. It's not evil. But for her, it just constantly made her compare. And she said, comparison's the thief of joy. Hmm. And it's fascinating because that really brings up the subject. It's a very real issue for teens today. And we as parents are probably seeing it. And that is how much does social media is affecting how they feel about themselves. Hmm. And, you know, the world that we lived in, that didn't really exist. You were around people at school. You're around people at maybe in the workplace. You sort of had this separation when you got in your car and drove away. That sort of ended. And yeah, now today, huh. a kid at school who may be feeling some pressure, peer pressure, or even bullying or, you know, feeling less than doesn't get to separate. I mean, there's not like the bell yeah. rings. I go home. I got to deal with this again tomorrow when I walk back onto the playground or whatever. It goes, it's in their pocket. Yeah. They I mean, never get away. All that drama, we felt it when we were in high school, those of us that were, you know, before this age. And it was there, but there was kind of some safety when that bell rang, you know? There was safety when you finally left soccer practice and you went home, hopefully, and you didn't have to face it at least till the next morning at like 7.43 a.m. Now... When that bell rings at 2.30 in the afternoon, we enter a whole different world where now the amount of friends we have is represented by a number. How many followers we have, you know, it's represented right there by a number. If you say something that's noteworthy or liked, we'll tell you how liked it is. There it is. There's a number that tells you how liked it was, you know, or unliked it was, right. you know, and that's a lot of pressure on young people. And we're seeing that kind of pressure. Matter of fact, the CEO of Instagram tried something unique where you couldn't see the likes that people posted there. And he wanted to try it. And a bunch of actually celebrities, particularly in the hip hop world, were like, we're not going to even do Instagram anymore if you take that away because they need to see how many we have. And so he got all kinds of flack for it hmm. and it never ended up going through. But he at the time said, I'm trying to relieve some. And I, this is an exact quote. I don't have it in front of me, but he basically said something like, this is creating a very pressurized environment for young people, and I'm trying to create some relief here, you know, and I wish they would have yeah. done that because it's affecting the way young people feel about themselves. And I'm going to go as far as to say, especially young girls. Mm. Talk about depression, suicide, because I talk to so many parents with teenage kids that are really struggling with anxiety, depression, suicide tendencies. Is this attributing yeah. to that? Well, you know, it's funny because so many experts were scratching their heads and looking at some of these numbers. And in the past shows, we talked about how the uptick in some of these when it comes to anxiety, depression, suicide, we're seeing that go up. Yeah. Specifically, a report from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services revealed that suicide rates among Americans aged 10 to 24 increased, ready for this, 56% mm -hmm. between 2007 and 2017. Now, anybody that studies technology goes, ding, mm -hmm. 2007 is the year the iPhone was introduced. By 2012, 
We had crossed the 50% mark for having those things in our pockets. So by 2017, we now had Instagram and Snapchat in our back pockets statistically for five years now. So I mean, we really started to see, and literally from 2012 is when we really started to see those take off. Now, there's a lot of debate. Some experts that are saying, hey, watch screen time. You got to watch this screen time, having this screen in your pocket. And there was so much debate that I got to throw respect out there for two researchers, Dr. Gene Twenge and Dr. Jonathan Haidt. Some of us might actually know Dr. Jonathan Haidt because if we watch that Netflix documentary mm-hmm. about screen time, so many have seen that, you know, the social, social dilemma. dilemma. Yeah. He was the one that was talking about self-esteem and those, those number charts were going up as he was talking and that little girl who looked in the mirror and what felt self-conscious about a part of her body and she started feeling... It was an amazing scene. He was the one talking there. Well, he and Dr. Gene Twenge, who is the author of iGen, the two of them were like, okay... Obviously, there's so much research out there about screens and screen time. Let's find out what we all agree on. Uh, this is very fascinating because basically, in short, you've got all kinds of parents going, hey, I need to start watching how much time my kids are video gaming, right? My daughter's spending so much time watching Netflix that she's watching entire seasons of shows in one day. As if we don't ever binge <laughs> Netflix, right? You know? And so people are starting to say, this is affecting us, right? And so these two researchers said, let's see. Is it affecting us? And that's the question they asked. So right as COVID is happening, they literally concluded their data in the middle of 2020, and they put all the data together. All these researchers put their data in, all these studies about screen time and social media and everything, and basically they said, what do we agree on? And this is fascinating. The researchers came up with two things they absolutely agree on. The first thing they agree on was, hands down, we are in an unprecedented mental health crisis right now. Mm. It's worse than it's ever been before. That's one thing they all agreed on. One of the other things they couldn't agree on was, well, what's the why? Well, guess what? The second thing they agreed on was this. If you look at all of screen time and try to cast some blame, the evidence is really weak and inconsistent. But if you narrow the study down to just social media, especially young girls, the data is consistent and very conclusive that the amount of social media time someone spends affects their mental health big time. As a matter of fact, these researchers went on to actually recommend parents pay attention to how much time they are spending on places online where they are getting likes and followers and they're being rated by the things they do, by their performance. So think about this. This isn't just Instagram and TikTok. This is if your kid wants a YouTube channel and all of a sudden they start, you know, doing Legos on YouTube or they start doing something on YouTube and immediately they're like, how many people follow me? How many people like me? So yes, even YouTube, whenever someone is putting themselves out there and being rated and being liked, they said, limit that to just one or two hours a day. As a matter of fact, they went on and gave specific recommendations of things you should do. Fascinating study. And in my chapter in Parenting Generation Screen, I talk about that and what can we do as parents because this is something we need to watch. And believe it or not, it's not the amount of time they spend streaming Netflix. Now, now granted, there are studies out there that if your kid games, for example, 12 hours a day, there can be some consequences because if your kid doesn't go outside, he's more likely to be obese, you know, more likely to have sleep problems. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff like that. So I'm not saying let your kid game as much as they want. They're just saying that when it comes to this mental health crisis and people are trying to look for what's causing it, they narrow down on this social media is definitely affecting us, especially our daughters. And, you know, your daughter mentions that in the book that she walked through 
a real struggle. Talk about that as a dad. Yeah, you know, it's funny how much I saw that. So I, having a son and having two daughters, I saw my son constantly being sucked in by gaming. And I'm not saying that no girls game. There are girl gamers. But literally when you look at the common sense media reports about the hours per day on average – Young boys average over an hour where young girls average like 17 minutes a day or something like that. I mean, it's very small by comparison. You see gaming affecting young guys way more. You see social media kind of drawing in. And granted, all kids love social media. But girls in particular seem to be sucked into that a little bit more. They get caught up in the drama a little bit more and really focusing on the, well, I just posted this picture of my dog. And I saw Taylor post a picture of her dog. And she got 467 likes. But... I only got 62 likes. Why did she get four? I mean, why? And also she starts feeling bad about herself. And when it comes down to it, and we've all heard those stories, but to all of a sudden see the researchers saying, yeah, this is affecting our daughters. And we need to monitor how much time they're spending on social media because they're feeling bad about themselves. And for us as parents, sometimes that means some simple Helpful boundaries like no tech zones in the house, no tech at the table, for example. Having family dinner be a place where screens aren't out. Dad, no screen out. Mom, no screen out. Put it away. You don't need work to reach you during that half hour. Have that be a cherished time where, guess what? Face-to-face connection is happening Mm. in a screen-to-screen world Mm. where you're just talking with each other. We need to start being proactive about creating some of these conversation moments in our home and teaching our kids how to actually have a conversation and that they don't need to be staring at that device 24-7 to get any sort of gratification about who they are. And I love that you talk about how important that relationship is with our kids, that we're constantly having that dialogue where we want to know them. We want them to know us. I think that's so critical today and it's not happening as much because we are on our screens all of us including parents well and i think sometimes as parents we feel this pressure to block out all the bad stuff i mean yeah parents will sometimes walk up after my parent workshop they'll walk up to me they'll hand me a device and they'll be like show me how to stop all the bad stuff from being on this this is my daughter's phone and they expect me to nerd out and go okay so first you go to the setting and then you take this and you block other you know and honestly it's like we get sometimes so thinking we need to block stuff and i'll kind of confess i think that's where i messed up as a parent I think that's one of, one of the many areas mm. where I messed up is I think sometimes I was so worried about blocking out the lies where I should have been more concerned about telling the truth. I think I should have been more focused on sharing the truth with our kids. Sometimes as parents, we feel so ill-equipped to have these conversations with our kids. We're like, okay, how can I tell them about all this stuff being bad? Well, don't even go there. Open up God's word. Uh, during COVID, I remember meeting with a bunch of families in the neighborhood and we started having COVID church and it was by a pond outside because it was summer and it was by a barn. So we called it barn church. And for barn church, we'd sit there and we'd social distance and put our lawn chairs out and there's this beautiful breeze. You know, we just started going through scripture and, and literally, uh, I was kind of the minister there. So they're like, Jonathan, do a little talk. So I started doing these 10 minute talks. And the kids loved it. Ten-minute talk. They're like, I wish all sermons were this short. This would be great. So I would do these ten-minute talks, and we started going through the Beatitudes. You know what's interesting about this? As we're going through the Beatitudes, and we're like going through Jesus' teaching about how we don't need to be worried about status or money or any of this, but instead, this kingdom living mm. is this living where all of a sudden we're we're humble, we're compassionate, we're, and he starts kind of 
painting this different picture. And it was interesting as kids were kind of listening to this and they're going, wow, that's a different kind of teaching, which by the way, it was a couple thousand years ago is a different kind of teaching too. That's different. You mean I don't have to worry about how popular I am? I don't have to worry about how much money I make? Funny because every song I'm listening to talks about how much money I make and how popular I am. And they're making those connections in their head. I never had to say, and by the way, <laughs> the most recent you know, song, as you know, talks about – I didn't even do that. They were thinking it because they were sitting there seeing the truth. And the more we tell our kids the truth – the more they'll recognize the lies. Yeah, I think that's really good. I'm thinking of like the Beatitudes of Matthew 5, 3, blessed are the poor in spirit. Like I think about the kid that feels rejected or they didn't get all the likes, you know, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And that's what I think as we finish up this day, for us to speak truth to our kids of their identity in Christ, that he has knit us together in our mother's womb. We are fearfully and wonderfully made to give our kids something bigger to live for, oh, yeah. to be looking at our culture and say, how can we pray about this? I mean, I think that's the power. We can be so caught up in what we shouldn't do or what we shouldn't allow our kids to do. But we have so much power and influence, even with our kids, our teen kids. They want to know, do we care? Do we hear them? Do we see them? Are we listening mm. to them? We have way more power than we realize as parents. And I, and I think, you know, as your title of your book says, that needs to be done face-to-face. -face. Yeah. You know, looking across a dinner table or a family room or sitting in your car with your son or daughter and looking them in the eye and speaking life rather than, I mean, it, you could text it, that's good, but it's not as good as face-to-face, -face, and mm -hmm. you can really make a difference. Well, and when kids are hearing truth, like, you know, uh, I've been crucified with <laughs> Christ, yeah. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Such a contrast to mm. anything else they're seeing at the time, which is, look at me, more likes, more followers. Mm. It's like, no, 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 here's what matters, Christ in me. to thank Dave and Ann Wilson along with Bob Lapine and their team for another edition of Family Life Today. Although our programs are produced in America, the issues facing families like forgiveness, communication and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as power to change and our mission is to effectively develop godly families the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. Do you have more questions on how to develop healthy marriages, how to be a better parent, how to make romance and sex work well, or how to grow spiritually? Check out some articles that will help challenge you to move forward well at our website. Go to families.powertochange.org.au for more information. Until tomorrow at the same time, God's richest blessings on your family.